Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Hey everybody, this is Bo with Running Light Ministries, and this is our Better Pleasure Podcast. I'm kind of riding solo today because Peter is out. His wife is turning 22 years old, which is absolutely awesome. So he's out doing what he should be doing as a husband, hanging out with with her. So um, he ain't going to be with me on the show today. Um, but I do have a guest, and I have a young lady guest named Megan. So, Megan, why don't you say hi? Hi, everyone. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a great interview with her. I'm, we're very excited to have her in our little makeshift studio, and we get to talk about women issues. So this is episode 75, too, just if anybody yeah. is wondering. Yeah, 75 That's shows. It's a milestone. It's a lot of shows, <laughs> right? you know? Um, so we've, we've, we talk about, we have to just hit the whole thing, you know? We, we always talk about so much, and, um, you know, I always say if people want to know kind of the drive of the ministry of running light they probably should listen to the podcast yeah because um, you really get a lot from me and peter as far as what we think or how we're viewing things and and kind of some of our theology too yeah you know some of what how we look at the bible um and uh so we hope people check it out you know yeah you guys should check it out they should, huh? <laughs> you got to tell them, check it out. <laughs> as, as they're listening to this. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But today it's cool having you in here because I find one of the most fascinating topics, um, women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first thing I think of is women's lives have changed so radically yes. in such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. You know, there was not that long ago where women weren't even allowed to vote. Right. In the United States of America. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it is. You know, I was doing a chapel today, this morning, and I, I, for my topic, was Proverbs 31, the virtuous wife. Oh, and yeah. and it was really cool because not only did I um, talk about the virtuous wife, but we talked about women's issues in general. Mm-hmm. And I was teaching all men, Megan. So they were kind of like, whoa, this is interesting. You know, we're going to talk about this woman topic, you know, in the Bible. And I think what they were blown away mostly about was the idea that um, this woman does so many things. She's she's virtuous in the sense that she not only takes care of her husband and takes care of her family, but she Mm -hmm. also is a businesswoman and she's on the stock market and uh, yeah you know, <laughs> i mean you read proverbs 31 and you go whoa that is a woman right yeah there. i hear a lot about that woman a lot being a woman that's right you always hear about that and it's obviously it's the it's kind of this personification right of a virtuous wife mm-hmm. um you know um you know if jesus is the virtuous husband if you will you know, every guy, when we compare ourselves with Jesus, we go, man, we really stink, you know, <laughs> compared to to Jesus. He was awesome, you know, yes. and his, the way he is. And we find a lot of failure. And I think the virtuous wife is like that for most women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They look at it and go, oh, man, you know, I'm not I'm not quite there. Right. Right. I actually I, I relate more to Gomer or something Not not. Yeah, Not the virtuous woman. Yeah, and Gomer, for those who don't know, is in the book of Hosea, 
Mm-hmm. And um and Gomer's was unfaithful. A, yeah. She was she was like just she was sleeping around with with other guys being totally unfaithful to her husband and the husband still goes out and looks for her. Yeah. Yeah. And so w- I think we all feel that way. You said something already that really strikes me I- as far as what Running Light talks about a lot and that is that a lot of times people don't realize that the Bible's always coming from the the perspective of perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, because we believe God is perfect and God is whole, meaning he's totally complete, his revelation is whole and complete too. Mm-hmm. And it's perfect. Meaning when, when the Bible gives us moral um, ways to go about things, it's always giving us perfection. And, and that's tough because when we, we tend to, uh, you know, we tend to go, oh man, like, you know, this is so hard and, you know, and it's so difficult to obey the Bible. And and the answer is yes, that's true. But the reason is, is because the Bible is saying that it's literally from God. Right. So it is from a perfect being. So the moral law would be perfect as well. Mm-hmm. So when it says like flee youthful lust, you know, uh, let there not be a hint of sexual immorality in your life. Um, yeah, that's, that's, God can't compromise that, on yeah, that, you right? know? Yeah. Meaning God doesn't have sexually, sexual immorality in his life. Mm-hmm. So he can't tell others have a little bit. <laughs> right, right. It's okay that you do have a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I understand you're going to bail, but, you know, just have a little bit in your life. No, he doesn't say that. He says, no, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That's right. the, that's, that's the, the standard, mm-hmm. you know? So, and, and so it's natural to read the Bible and always go, hey, I, I don't meet that. Mm-hmm. And, and you shouldn't feel you shouldn't feel like overly bummed about that. Too many Christians right. do, you know, they read the Bible and they go, man, you know, or, or, or some people read the Bible and they go, Hey, I flee all sexual immorality. I'm doing great. Uh, you just got it wrong. Cause now you're <laughs> self righteous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now you're self righteous. So now right. you failed in another area, you know? So it's, yeah. uh, you know, no matter how you, sl- how, what you do, you're always never going to be there. Right. You know, to, to be like God. It is a revelation from God. Mm-hmm. So we are always striving. And of course, you know, what you're here to talk about is more sex, sexuality, sensuality. Mm-hmm. Those are the three things that we really focus on at Running Light, those kind of three components. Mm-hmm. Um, and with many people, this is very difficult to talk uh, about within the body of Christ, as you know, right? Yes, yes, it is. Did you have anybody to talk to when you were uh, growing uh, up about No, that? and it made me feel weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I was, was dealing with any sort of this issue, it was just kind of like, oh, well, you know, you're you're kind of weird, and, and, you know, I just, I didn't have anybody to talk to about this. Yeah. Like, nobody, um, until, like, a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have a real burden for, for young people, Mm-hmm. Um, I always have, um, and I know you do too, and yeah. you love to work with y- young people within the church. Yeah. Um, and what I've been telling my staff is something that really became a revelation to me lately, and that is youth today 
because of the digital world they live in, and there's two worlds they live in. They live in a, a biological world, and they live in a digital world, mm -hmm. an online world. Yeah. Um, they have hundreds, if not thousands, of people to talk to about sexuality. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And so it is vital. I mean, like, so vital more than ever that as church workers and youth workers and pastors and helpers and whatever area, big brother, big sister ministry, whatever you're in, mm -hmm. that you are ready and able to communicate with a student regarding sex, sexuality, and sensuality. Yeah. Because they will go to these other sources that are so mm -hmm. easy, right? Right. Now, you, how old are you? I'm going to be 26 in June. 26. So yeah. you li you were raised on this stuff. I was, but I never really participated in it. I was kind of like on the edge of, oh yeah, like this, in high school, at the towards the end of high school was, was where it kind of started booming. That social media kind of craze, yeah. you think? Yeah. I mean, like I had MySpace, you know, throughout high school, but right. that for people who don't know, MySpace was kind of like Facebook. <laughs> it was like the forerunner for Facebook, right. so to speak. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, it, so I kind of grew up with it, but not really, not to the extent to like where I was raised on it. Like today, you know, students are raised on YouTube. Yes. Uh, and, and the reason why is because it's so funny, but you know, so many parents, you know, criticize TV and the criticism of TV has been ongoing for the last, I don't know, 45 years. Yeah. Probably even longer, just campaign, right? There's porn on TV, there's porn, there's, you know, and you just criticize TV. Well, what it's developed, if you can believe it, it's like, this is how it always works. Whenever you think you are doing a service, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to the world and the church, you know, you're really probably opening up a door for something else that's far worse. Yeah. And, and, and so what happens is, you know, you, so many people go, forget it. I'm not having TV. I'm not ha having cable. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, what's happened was what's become available is, is just even just YouTube. If you just take YouTube and you look at how many young people find their entertainment through YouTubers and yeah. and people that um, are great at um, entertainment and making videos and um, being humorous about right. it and being able to push an agenda too. Yeah. Um, really ever so, uh, you know, under the radar. Yeah. Like they'll just be talking about their opinions and they'll just be like, this is just my opinion, but people will follow them. Yeah, some 12-year-old's going to be like, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Like, yeah. Like, you know? oh, that sounds great. And I like what this person does, like, already. That's right. So you feel connected to them and you feel like you have this relationship with them that really you don't. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I mean, this person doesn't even really know who you are unless you are literally their only fan. <laughs> right. But, I mean... Yeah, these people yeah. have a million fans. Right. They have like tons of them. So it's not like they're, I mean, they say like, oh, we, we, I just want to let you know that we all appreciate you. And like with that, you feel like you have this relationship. You feel like you're friends with them. But then when you meet them in person, they have no idea who you are. Yeah. And you have, you, you know, youth today have instant fan clubs. Right. You know, back in my day, it was like you had to, to be a part of Kiss Army. 
you got you don't know what Kiss no. is, but it's a oh, heavy I metal band. Kiss is. Heavy metal band, yes. yeah. <laughs> but to be a part of the Kiss Army, you had to like write in, and and then they give you they send you little cards oh and stuff. Gosh. And I was like, whoa, dude, I'm part of Kiss Army, and uh, <laughs> you know, and it was just awesome, you know, right. for all the heavy metal people out there. They're gonna go, yeah, Kiss Army, I remember that. Yeah. Um, but kids today are instantaneously just a fan, part of the club. They can they can chat with people. They can join private groups of, yeah. about um, that subject or anything like that. Yeah. If they want to talk about sex, if they want to talk about sexual identity, if they want to talk about gender dysphoria, if they want to talk about anything, they can just get online and find a group to talk with yeah. about these things. Yeah, and it's so easy to just like pretend to be someone else too on there. So like, um, like one of the things that I went through was that I had this like, life that was online versus my life that was in life so I could talk to people about sex online mm. but I wouldn't talk about that with like my friends in, yeah. li- in real life or yeah. my parents or anybody because online means safe yes for a lot of people right because there's um you know for some it's an anonymity to mm-hmm. it right mm-hmm. so there's a little bit of uh you know uh they don't really know me too well so I feel safe but and another way I, I, I sense that online, you find communities that you feel safe to um, to really uh, kind of go into your curiosities. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. So if you're curious, if, if I'm curious to, hey, what, what, what is, maybe I am homosexual or maybe I'm heterosexual or maybe I'm whatever maybe i'm asexual mm-hmm. or you know there's all kinds of sexuals now right. but um you know maybe i'm these things may maybe i'll find something online that um i can hear someone discussing that mm-hmm. and then maybe i can find a group to to join or enter into to talk about this with someone yeah and it, and you know it's going to be semi safe yeah you know you feel like it's semi-safe, but it's really not. <laughs> yeah, it might not. It, it 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 might not be. Yeah. But for most people, I think for most people, they do find a relatively safe environment, mm-hmm. much more safer, let's say, than talking to a parent, right? Or talking to like a church leader, a religious Definitely. leader, counselor. Cause, yeah, because you don't. I mean, like, there's something about like talking to people in person too, because you can see their reaction and you can see it's like almost you can feel their judgment almost or like you think that they're going to judge judge you so online you can't see that that's the big word right Mm -hmm. is judgment Mm -hmm. people don't no one none of us want to i don't want to talk to people that i know are going to look down on me right because of my struggle with lust Mm -hmm. you know because right when you right when you talk uh, about the issue of of sexual sin, mm. you know, right when you bring up anything like that, even even you don't even have to say sexual sin. You can just say sexuality. Mm-hmm. People, most even out of re- the religious context, don't feel comfortable, and and there is a lot of. Um, uh, ways we criticize sexuality mm-hmm. in such harsh ways you know we look yeah. at prostitutes and we go oh they're they've sold their soul you right. know those prostitutes 
You know, we say things that are really harsh, which is unfortunate because the Bible, we have to realize that, and this is what I always am trying to preach, is that, you know, when you look at Hebrews 11 and you look at the Hall of Fame of Faith, you have people in there that are that are trafficking women. Right. Um, and, and so did they sell their soul mm-hmm. to the devil? You know, so um, who am I to look at a prostitute and say, yeah, that that soul's being that sold that bo- that that body sold to the Satan, right. and then Jesus in Matthew twenty one says that that whore is going to enter the gates of heaven before yeah. the religious self righteous person. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? Whoa! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, it is. It's like it's like right when you say about a prostitute, right when you condemn them, you are immediately condemned yourself. Right. You right. Know? Yeah, it's quite. I mean, Jesus cuts, man. That's for sure. His words cut right to the core of our religiosity. Yeah. You know, but it makes it tough for a lot of women, especially. And I want to talk about women, you know, and and ladies and young girls, because it's difficult for men to Mm -hmm. find a place where they can just say, hey, I self-gratified. Yeah. Or I like to Mm self-gratify, you know, or I think it's kind of cool, you know. Yeah. You can't say that. You know, I mean, you cannot admit that, you know, Um, you can certainly in church, you can certainly say, I love cookies and I love food (laughs) and you can be 250 pounds. Yeah. And everybody clap their hands. Yeah. Like, oh, good. Good for you. Those are great things. That's a great Christian fellowship (laughs) (laughs) time. You know, never mind. You just ate six donuts. Right. You know, um, yeah. But when it comes to this, Mm -hmm. we go, wow, that's, you know, that's horrible. Right. You know, kind of thing. So, guys, we, you know, running light, we always want to have a safe environment for men to come and talk about God and talk about this issue and things like yeah, that. That's and so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all we're trying to do, really. Yeah. We don't have um, we don't have the uh, the, the corner on uh, sexual addiction therapy. That's not what we're about. There's right. other places you can go to and, and uh, you know, and get involved in something like that. But mm-hmm. that's not what this is, um, you know. But, you know, girls, how hard do you think it is for, for girls today to to find this safe place in a religious context? I think it is extremely difficult. Like, um I just know from talking to some of my friends that struggle with this, like, I I remember when I started coming to church and I became a Christian, nobody would talk about this for girls. It would be a guy issue, you know, like... Did, did you hear that stereotypically, like, yeah. like you know, oh, porn, that's a dude's thing. Yeah, like, and I was like, wait a sec, I struggle with that, like, you know... Um, like I have to basically tell myself or to, to go to God and be like, God, like help me with this. Yeah. Cause when you have a, not only in the church, but when you have a huge feminist movement, that's anti-porn, mm-hmm. it, it, it puts, it, it makes it so anybody who watches porn is, is shamed yes. and, yeah. you know, for it. Yeah. And, and, and that strong anti-porn feminist movement, um, it's talking about guys predominantly. Mm-hmm. It's saying those guys are bad. Those guys are objectifying. They're commodifying. You know this whole thing. Yeah. And what? I, and I always wonder what is the woman out there that's hearing that? <laughs> you know, she's it's, sitting there going, "Well, I like it too." Right. And it it makes you feel weird. 
It I, really I, does. It's got to make a woman feel like <laughs> worse than low. Yeah, like because she, like we're already dealing with this sin. Now we have on top of it, we have this, oh man, I'm not normal. Like, oh man, like I must be the only female right. that's struggling with this because there's not a whole lot of females out there going, yeah, I, I struggle with this. Or I like this too. Yeah, or I, or like I watch this stuff or I am involved in this or, you know, I'm trying not to do this, you know, something like that. And nobody's really, like there's not a whole lot of women out there that are pushing for that that are letting others know yeah so when the church says like hey you know porn bad it's really bad and it's a guy thing mm -hmm. the guys you know guys are just so bad and and evil right what what the church doesn't realize is that because the church is just totally oblivious is just lost its vision is that women lust too right and in an environment like we live in wouldn't it be something we would think that would happen where women too would yeah. be into um yeah. you know these kind of things right. as well right and it's not that crazy to think about like once you actually think about it because like so lust isn't just a guy thing just the same way with insecurity is not just a girl's thing you know like guys struggle with insecurity too they struggle with jealousy um but it's like you know we can't just say that this one sin is only for this gender right or this sex and when we do what we do is through the lack of saying what is right yeah we educate the church over years and years and years and i'm talking like hundreds of years yeah. you know where now you have a church incredible complex today where you basically have a church that is riveted in this idea that oh sexual exploitation men mm -hmm. you know men are bad they mm -hmm. watch porn they're exploiting women they're abusing women mm -hmm. and then you have all these women that are go that feel 50 times probably is worse because they go not only do I watch this, but I kind of like it, mm -hmm. and and I guess I'm exploiting people too, yeah. and I must be really bad because yeah. I'm like a woman, yeah, you know, yeah, doing right. this. Yeah. So I mean, those guys, of course, they're scum. They're guys. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, well, that's normal for them. Yeah. yeah. We expect that from you know these guys, but. Yeah. But, you know, so I always think like, man, it's just, it's got to be gripping to be a woman yeah. and, 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 and have to admit something like this within the body of Christ. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, it was definitely a, a hard thing for me to do when I, when I started opening myself up to, you know, my friends, I was like, guys, like, this is what I deal with. Like, this is, I, I, uh, you know, I like watching porn and, you know, I, I can't like help like I could just like I just couldn't I just remember the first time that I confessed um that to one of my friends and I was like so scared um and I was just like man I don't know what they're gonna say or what to think but I feel like I need to because this it's just it's just like burden that's like weighing on my shoulders sure and I felt like I needed to so I told her and there was just no judgment no nothing she just like said yeah like it was totally normal 
And then once I started to do that, once I started to confess and open myself up to others, I started finding that other women also felt the same way that I did. <gasps> what? Other I women? I know, like other women. And they were like, oh my gosh, I didn't want to tell anybody <laughs> because I thought it was so, so wrong. And I thought that I was the only person. Yeah. And once I started realizing that, oh yeah, well, there are other women. I'm like, maybe I need to tell more women about this that they're not alone yeah and what we what we mean by normal is that that struggling with not being perfect is yes. normal yeah um again the bible is written from perfection mm -hmm. so the perspective of being perfect yeah and so we struggle with not being perfect mm -hmm. not only do we struggle with not being perfect but we find that our hearts even gravitate and and like things that um, God would say are not gonna is not our benefit. Right. And so and even that is normal uh, part of the 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 sinful inclination. Yeah. Um, so we see that in Romans seven, Galatians chapter five. Yeah. Um, these kind of battling things that go on in us. Mm -hmm. um, so it's so cool that when you can come to a young person and be and and let them know that hey that's something that we i struggle with too or mm -hmm. um you know that i i work with that i deal with that too you know then it's amazing right yeah they, it's, they it's finally great. say something yeah and it's like this this weight like i said it's being lifted because somebody else has that burden too yeah. and you don't feel so alone yeah, and I think uh, women, you can correct me, but women, that's probably one of the biggest traps of the enemy, right? Yeah. Is that you are alone. Yes, in for sure. This. Yeah. Because I know for us guys, it, it very much works that way too, you know, where, uh, again, we we isolate ourselves. We don't want to share. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've always heard it put that fungus grows well in the dark, but you got to... <laughs> You got to put it into the light in order for it to stop. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and it's great to have a brother or sister share a burden. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, that's great. You know, I think of how many young girls that are leaving the church. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine today that this is going to be the trend in the next 20 years, 10, mm -hmm. 20 years, where you're going to have more young girls leave the church. Because the church doesn't know how to deal with issues like lesbianism. Right. That is so popular today. Yeah. Right? Mm hmm Why do you think lesbianism is popular today? I have my theories, but why do you, <laughs> why do you think a lot of young girls, you know, I'm talking 11, 12, 13, yeah. 14. You know, why do you think, you know, the you know, they disassociate with what's being said at church so much. Yeah. Well, I think part of the reason why it might be like a huge thing right now is probably because men are kind of being exposed as like monsters and just like mm. horrible um, people who just abuse their wives or, you know, they don't love their wives or they don't know how to love or whatever. They're just kind of evil and I don't mean that I think this <laughs> no no I <laughs> but, understand um 
but then no the culture does portray that yes, kind of thing like even you see all these sexual like abuse stories coming out like oh my gosh you know this this guy was sexually abusing me so i think that um women don't want that obviously and they think they kind of think that all guys are like that and so they'll start thinking well i'm not like that so this woman over here must not be like that. She's more loving and she's seen as like a nurturer. You look at the culture and women are kind of seen that way where they're strong and nurturing. And so you like girls start gravitating towards that and they start like liking them and thinking, well, I, I have this feeling for them. So I must love them. Mm-hmm. I mu- this must be love. This is, you know, and so I think that with, you know, the church, when, when people say, well, that's not right, you know, and, and it's the men that are telling them this, it's like, well, I don't want to be a part of it. That's not me. So I'm going to go away. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point that a lot of men, um, the way they view men in the culture, it, they reflect or they project that onto even maybe their church leaders that are predominantly male. Right. And... And that's difficult. And I think you touch on another good thing about young people, and that is um, that lesbianism seems like it's a safe way to go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where if you have men that are always seen as predators and, oh, they watch porn and they're bad. And, right, right. And then everything's bad, you know, and you just have that kind of attack, you know, uh, where they're just a mess kind of thing. And again, the, the, the anti-porn movement doesn't mean to move society in this way, but this is what happens. Yeah. You know, is when you put down so much, you know, uh, the male gender, mm-hmm. um, then ov- obviously it's, it starts looking bad. Yeah. It starts looking non-attractive. Mm-hmm. And not only that, it looks very risky. Yeah. You know. And so I think a lot of young girls today look at men and they go, the risk is far too great, yeah. you know, because you take, you take a health class in school and it's like freaky scary, right? you know, yeah. it's like, God, sex is going to give me disease. Yeah. Um, I got to learn how to put this on a banana. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. It's just like, it, it, it's like way overwhelming. It is overwhelming. You know, where you're just like, I don't know, man. You know, <laughs> I, you know, just hanging out with my girlfriends, mm-hmm. you know, um, maybe I'll just, maybe that's the route I'm supposed to go. I think they're pretty. Yeah. You know, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely see women as beautiful. Yeah. Like they're, I mean, God just blessed them, Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I like men, <laughs> so that's yeah. kind of where I'm at, but I can totally see myself like being like, well, if I were in a, like a certain situation, me thinking that, oh, well, women are, you know, they're beautiful and they're pretty and I, you know, men are kind of scary. So. Yeah. And that's, and that's bold of you to say, cause, cause that's, that's, un- that, that's an understanding of of you really you understand yourself meaning you understand that if you given the right circumstances yeah you can you can do just about anything yeah you know and that's what we know about if the bible teaches us anything it teaches us that human nature will do what human nature does exactly right (laughs) and uh and that is go the wrong direction (laughs) and and given the right circumstances it will move into all kinds of you know crazy ways yeah um you know and but unless people in the church don't talk about that and and don't share that vulnerability 
And because what you're saying is that, and this is something a lot of young people need to hear is that I can, you can, and this is what you would say is I can go in that direction of choosing that sexuality. Yeah. I could, but I chose not to. And this is why, this is why, because my identity is wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. Exactly. So, so um, I'm bringing my identity underneath what God says about things. Yes. And so he's dictating my sexual identity. Yes. Um, and a young girl needs to hear that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. But if they hear, if they hear, you know, people in the church just go, oh, lesbianism. Gosh, it's yeah. horrible. Or like those guys, they're just, you know, they just are into porn and they just go to strip clubs and they're just objectifying and they're just, they're misogynistic, mm-hmm. you know, and they throw out all these words, these yeah. terms, you know, that they're horrible and, and, and what woman growing up in this society would want to be part of any kind of misogynistic, patriarchal, <laughs> soci- you know, no, no, situation? No. Yeah. Right? Just be like, no, no thanks. Yeah, no thanks. Because it's, it's, it's always put in such a negative light. Yeah. You know? So, you know, it's important for people like you to be in a church. Yeah. And to be able to come alongside these young girls that are growing up in this digital world where they have so much influence and so much options, right? Yeah, you know, to talk to people. Um, so my burden is always that the church is just clueless. Yeah. You know, and they keep reiterating these these bad notions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like have you ever heard of the ministry Answers in Genesis? No. With Ken Ham and. Um, answers in Genesis. It's always talking about evolution and creation. Okay. Uh, you probably, you might I probably have. Yeah, I've probably seen it. Anyway, it's called Answers in Genesis. But they always talk about their frustration with a lot of Christians and how they they talk to atheists because they always, the Christian always brings up these old arguments. Oh, okay. You know, and they're like irrelevant. And that's how the church is with, I think, sexuality. Right, right. They're always reiterating the idea of men watch porn because yeah. they they have they get aroused through the eye gate yeah have you ever heard that yes i have yeah <laughs> so you've heard that too yeah and i laugh at it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i'm just like what does that mean <laughs> right yeah the eye gate That's yeah <laughs> and it's just it seems weird mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so you know the statistics you know which statistics i always have my opinions on the, those too but they they bear out that you know you know one out of 3 internet porn viewers are women yeah um you know lesbianism is huge a huge search yeah for women yes um you know so um you know and uh, so much of my research on pornography and all that stuff and the stu- the teachings I do at Pima College and mm-hmm. different things like that. Um, uh, I know so much about these things. I'm not going to talk about it now, <laughs> but, um, you know, because it, it blows people away. They just go, whoa, you know, but it, 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 what it does, all the research, what it really does, Megan, it helps me to realize that the church is caught up in really old mm-hmm. arguments and, um, but, you know, I think above that, those little comments that you say, like, or that, you know, people say matter. Yeah. And when you, if you, you know, we're going to lose these kids. Right. If we say something wrong, like if we, if we say like, 
if they hear us say like oh you know that woman that woman prostitute or we criticize someone like that we've lost them yeah because they they feel like they can relate more to the prostitute than they can to someone who is self-righteous that's right man you nailed it (laughs) they can and people cannot relate to self-righteousness right unless you are self-righteous right you know the majority of us yeah, if you are self-righteous, then you're going to be okay, mm-hmm. you know, with other self-righteous people. But when you when you find yourself just as sick as that person, yeah, and just as in need of the blood of Christ as that person, and thankful for the blood of Christ <laughs> as that person, or maybe not as that person, but maybe just you are thankful for the blood of Christ, um, you know, then self-righteousness becomes something where you don't want to be around it. Right. Yeah, it becomes very difficult. So we have a lot of girls leaving um, the church, and I think that's going to be more and more. Yeah. You know. Scary. Yeah, as it keeps going. Unless we can raise up a generation of leaders that are not not afraid. They don't blink at these things. Yeah. You know, uh, like you were talking about in your testimony where – it, you confessed to someone and they were like, oh, yeah, you know? Yeah. Cool, yeah. let's move on. Yeah, like it was totally fine. It was, it was kind of funny because this girl, like she, you know, knew people who struggled with that. So she didn't even see it as like anything, yeah. you know? She was like, oh, okay, it's just another sin. I'm a sinner. You know, I struggle with different sins, but that doesn't really make us a whole lot different. Yeah. And it just, it, yeah, it was really great. That's awesome. You know, people need people to confess to, right? Yes. Yes, for sure. We need that community of people to just support each other and just be like, you know, I struggle with sin, these sins, these certain sins, and you struggle with those sins, but I'm here to support you. Let's like go on and, and, and go closer to Jesus and let's grow, grow closer to Jesus together. Yeah, that's great. Um, what, um, you know, you're at college age, mm-hmm. you know, kind of that mid-college age, right? I've been out of college for a while, but yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, well, early, mid-20s, right? Yeah. So that's, that's yeah, usually out of college or getting maybe knee-deep in your... Yeah. Um, I was in college for a long time. Though, were so, you? Yeah, six yeah. years. Yeah. Um, what's the college culture like when it comes to um, the yeah. difficulties with uh, walking the Christian life? It's hard. I mean, from personal experience, uh, like there were so many classes that teach that, you know, feminism, you know, homosexuality, and they, they would go in depth on those things are the right path. And anyone who disagrees with that is just completely wrong and they are not loving and they're very mean (laughs) like you know the kind of the kind of um perspective that people have on christians is just like you guys are judgmental you guys don't know what you're talking about and every single time i would go into a class they would bring up this that christians they wouldn't say this because they don't want to offend anybody but you could tell that it's like well if you're saying that homosexuality is wrong then like you don't even deserve to be human right yeah and so when i was in college i just felt like very awkward and like i wouldn't try saying anything because it was just kind of like well i'm not going to see these people at all anymore after this point but it was crazy there would just be like 
everywhere that I turn, there'd be like protesters talking about this stuff or like, um, yeah, the, the, the river runs pretty strong, right? Yeah. yeah. It was, it almost felt like I was being brainwashed <laughs> almost. Da -da. I, know, <laughs> I know. Maybe like, you were. <laughs> I know. Well, I wasn't cause I had God with me. Yeah. I feel like, but it would be so easy for me to just believe that that stuff is good. Yeah. You know, when you study Socrates, you yeah. know, who lived um, hundreds of years before Christ, around 400 or so years before Christ. Yeah. But the, the Socrates dialogue is great. You know, Socrates didn't create a kind of a curriculum. He never was part of like this educational movement. He believed in in um, individual dialogue Yeah. and and questioning everything mm -hmm. and asking questions. Um, and it wasn't just for the listener, but it was for him. And that's what he found out is that through asking questions and through that's how knowledge is gained right. and that there is truth to actually find out. Yeah. And so asking questions would lead both parties to a place of finding the truth. Yeah. You know, where college today, it, it, it really has thrown out the Socratic method. Yeah. where there is no more dialogue. You cannot dialogue, meaning you can't question. Yeah. There's no more questioning dialogue. Why is it right? What makes it right? Mm -hmm. What makes it wrong? You know, if, if, if I am inhumane because I think it's wrong, does that mean all the thousands of people before who thought it was wrong in human history, yeah. the last 6,000 years of human history where it was wrong? Yeah. Like, were they all stupid too? Yeah. Um, so was human history, like, were, were they all dumb? Was there only like a really select small group of right people? Yeah. You know, um, that's quite a statement. Yeah. Right? And it's definitely that, it, it sounds crazy, but that's almost what it is in college. That's how it feels. That's how it feels because yeah. it's like, um, I know a lot of people are like, well, that was the old days. We're better than that. I'm like, no, you guys aren't. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're, we're just as, you know, stupid as they are. Yeah. You guys think that, you know, we're the better society because we're, we are now aware of these problems and are dealing with them and the people of the past aren't dealing with them or, yeah. yeah. So you have a different worldview and that, that obviously creates the conflict within, uh, maybe some of the, some of the colleges, uh, a lot of the colleges probably. Yeah in uh, the world, I would imagine, or especially mm -hmm. in the United States and uh, Canada. Yeah. Um, you know, what did you do as a young woman to just help you kind of stay focused, in you know, school? on, on, no, on with, with God? Oh, okay. Um, I kind of just, well, in college was really difficult for me because there were times where I wasn't with God because I was like questioning him okay. and doubting him. Um, but it would just kind of be like, I think one of the best things I could have done was just build that community around me mm. for support. Because when you're in an environment where everybody is, is one way and they don't want to look for the truth or they don't believe in Jesus or they think that there are many ways of getting into heaven, um, it's it's just not healthy, I think. And I needed a, a, a group of people to remind me who God is, what he's done for me, what the truth is really yeah. um so that way i could you know go to god and i wouldn't be so easily influenced by the people that were in the college yeah and if you think about it this way 
if people in college that are in their late teens and early 20s, if you needed community, they need community, Christian community, in order to help yeah. in dealing with, with um, a community of 30,000 people, which is a college usually. Yeah. You know, that's a big college. Mm-hmm. Um, just think what it's like for a 12-year-old that does not have maybe the strong Christian convictions yet. Right. And is in a online community of thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Yeah. Um, and we're talking probably more like millions. Millions, yeah. Right? That strong of a community and and such a strong voice, um, you know, on these community websites Mm -hmm. you know like youtube which is a community website yeah you know people get together and they have fellowship koinonia man they they get together and you know they break bread you know online you know and all that stuff like that just think how how much that 12 year old needs community and and what what i what i always tend to think is community doesn't mean that you that you separate these people from the world and say oh you know and like keep them in a box right but the church needs to be that community that is able to discuss and dialogue like so the socratic method should be happening within the church right meaning the church should be a place where a 12 year old can go and go hey you know what i can go to church and i I can ask any question yeah i can talk about anything yeah and they're not going to look down on me they're not going to think i'm weird Right. They're, they're not going to critique, you know, and that unfortunately has not happened. Right. Right. Because people are involved <laughs> and people are sinners. That's right. And it's, yeah. It's so like, sad. you know, someone brings up, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah when, when a 12 year old talks about homosexuality, Yeah. you know, and that, that's unfortunate. Right. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to see the love in that, you know. Yeah. And it's not that it's not important to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah at some point. Yeah. But does the 12-year-old know the Lord? Right. How long have they known the Lord? What's right. their community like? Yeah. You know, what's their family situation like? Yeah. You know, what is their online relationship like, community like? Yeah. You know, what are their friendships like? I mean, half the time we have no clue. Right. You know, what these people are going through or what they have gone through with these young people or young women have gone through in their life. Right. right. You know, and... um and then to bring up Sodom and Gomorrah and just say, well, you know, God's going to judge homosexuals. That's what he's going to do. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like uh. <laughs> okay, man, I'm out. Yeah. You know, later. Yeah. You know. I think, I think for, um, you know, when we're discussing homosexuality with kids, it's important to just be like, to explain the love of Jesus that, you know, not saying that, oh, well, God's going to just send you to hell because that's what he did in the Bible because that's why it's wrong. (laughs) I think we need to focus more on like the love of Jesus and how, like what he has done for us versus what we're doing. Because we all sin, (laughs) you know, and God is going to judge every single person. But does that mean like we go around and saying like, oh, you know what? Like you're doing that wrong. Okay, bye. You know what I mean? Like, um, Like we probably shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, if, you know, if God you know judges us as we judge other people as he says um you know that would be kind of radical of god to do that right 
I judge not lest you be judged with the measure you judge, mm-hmm. you will be judged. Mm-hmm. And, and those, those are scary words. Right. Um, you know, we have to, you know, we have to wise up in that sense that, you know, college students, college women need community. They need yeah. strong community. Young girls need community. Mm-hmm. And, and what makes a good community is what, in your opinion? Uh, I don't, I think that it just involves a lot of people who, I actually don't know. Like That's what, a good question. what makes a good commu- Christian community? Well, a good, for me, um, personally, what makes a good community is just like having people who are just going after Jesus, like going after something that you're both passionate about. And also at the same time, like you guys are both like struggling or the whole community is all like in it together. Yeah. You know, it's like that, like we're all in the same race, you know, we're all in the same thing, but we struggle differently. So when I struggle with something, it's nice to have somebody else being able to be like, I can pick you up. Like I can, I can help you and let's, let's run this together for God with Jesus, you know? Um, So I think, I think it's just like having that common ground. Yeah. Common goal. Yeah. Common ground. Um, The transparency within community. Yes. Loving. You know, the wonderful thing about a good family is that we're all transparent. A good family is not one that there is no sin. And that's where people get things wrong in the Bible. They tend to think what makes someone right with God is the issue of sin. Yeah. No. What, you know, sin has been dealt with by Jesus Christ on the cross. Yeah. So, you know, you know, some of the most horrible sinners ever in the Bible um, are loved by God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I mean, he, uh, tremendously. And yeah. they're and they're in the kingdom and they're used by God tremendously and everything like that. Yeah. Um, and it's just like in a good family, you know your the vulnerabilities of your kids. You know right. the vulnerability of your spouse. You know their struggles. You don't every day go to them and go, hey, I, you keep struggling with that. Yeah. Hey, you keep sinning with that. You don't do that every day. Right. You know they are. You, you've talked to them about it. You pray with them about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something where, and you, and you learn to be patient and allow mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit to work in their life yeah. and speak to them. And, but there's a transparency in the community of family. Yes. You know, and that's what makes a cool family a really good one. A horrible family is one where you have to live up to some certain expectation mm-hmm. and you can't show any vulnerability. Yeah. Like you you'd know. want to move out of that family. <laughs> and is that what the church has become? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Isn't that scary? That's so scary. Yes. <laughs> is that what the church has become? Yeah. A giant family that is so afraid to show vulnerability. Yeah. You know. And we're okay with showing it in the past, meaning we're okay with saying, oh, yeah, I used to. I used to, but. You know, but we're we're absolutely not willing to say, hey, no, today, yeah. today, there's things. Like just a couple of hours ago. That's or right. Or just now. Like That's right. Like right now. Yeah, there's these things. And 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 that is, that is something that, you know, that all of us church people need to because the church is made up of us. Yeah. And so we all have to take that that banner, if you will, or, you know, take the mantle and say, hey, I'm going to make decisions today to let's try to walk more in a vulnerable place yeah. and find people, find communities within the church yes. um, that 
I can thrive in. Yes. And, you know, that's what Running Light's done anyway. We've just created an environment, um, again, where people can go and have a community. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. You know, and it's something that, you know, I always tell people, Megan, that Running Light should never have to be a separate nonprofit than the church. Right. You know, the yeah. church has everything that pertains to godliness, it says, you know. Um, it is the the manifold grace of God is seen within the church. It says in First Peter chapter four verse ten and eleven, mm-hmm. the manifold grace of God is seen in everybody's gifts within the church. Meaning, when I look at the church and I see it made up of all these different individuals, and I see all those different gifts within these different people, I see the manifold grace of God, the manifold mm-hmm. gifts of God, all in everybody. Yeah. And so that's all we need. Is, right. is Christ in everybody affecting us, affecting each other. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus is working through everybody to minister to all of us, and it's beautiful. Yeah. It only works, though, if we're willing to deal with that self-righteousness. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so, so ministries get created um, simply because of the issues of self-righteousness yes. and pride. Yeah. And those type of things. So we have to create an environment where we go, hey, this is okay now. Yeah. You know, so it's like everybody who walks through the door uh, for the group we're going to have tonight, the men's group at six, I already know where they're at. Right. Right? Right. Yeah, right when they open up the door and they come into the room, I don't have to go, oh, do you struggle with lust? Yeah, right. You know, Um, I know they do. Yeah. You know, that'd be kind of weird if they just showed up and they were like, oh, I don't. I don't. But no, <laughs> we know they do. That's why they're there. Yeah. You know, you know, you know absolutely. So how do you think uh, you can help out uh, girls today? Uh, well, I'm kind of a, a leader for the high schoolers and the college group um, mm-hmm. for the girls and that. And I try to make it a point of being like, like being open to them about what I'm dealing with and what I'm struggling with. And I try to just like be there for them if they have anything to talk about. Um, so leadership isn't, um, this is a different paradigm of leadership. Yeah. Leadership uh, 50 years ago, even 30 years ago, was leadership meant no chinks in the armor. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what leadership was. Leadership was no chinks in the armor. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about a different kind of leadership. Yeah. Right? Yes, for sure. Different kind. Yeah, which is, which is amazing. And to me, it's very cool. Jesus is the only leader I know that had no chinks in the armor. Yeah, right. Like, I don't, it's kind of weird that, you know, we thought of leadership as that way, where there is no chinks in the armor, because Jesus really is like the only one that is able to do that. And even he had, you know, suffered and even he cried and even he was, he was going through stuff. Yeah. Going through so much, you know, um, so it's not like he, he, if you knew Jesus and you probably saw him, you probably thought there was a lot of chinks in the armor actually, because yeah. you saw a lot of um, vulnerability to what men could do to him yeah. and what they did do to him. I mean, For hanging sure. on the cross is a lot of vulnerability, right? Right, right. Wow. You are open to all. Right. You know, and so, you know, Isaiah 53 rings out, you know, to us, 52 and 53, mm-hmm. that, you know you know, talks about him being that vulnerable suffering servant, you yeah. know, on our behalf. Yeah. Um, but when we talk about sin, the issue of missing the mark of God, 
Um, we look at every leader in the Bible, and there's there's only three guys that Ezekiel mentions that are he calls righteous. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Out of the whole right. Old Testament. <laughs> and there's a lot of people in the Old Testament. Yeah, and I, I think if I remember it, it was Daniel, Noah, and um, maybe Elijah. Okay. Um, are the three? I think, um, I think you're right. On it that. might be. It might be that those three, but um, I could stand corrected. But anyway, um, our Job. It might be Job, Job, Daniel, and Noah. Oh, it might be those. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it's uh, you know, that's it. That's all he. And and what he means by righteous, of course, is not perfect. You know, because yeah. we know Noah's getting lit up after the <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> after the flood's done. Yeah. You know, so um, and, and unless getting drunk is okay, I don't, I don't know, unless someone I'm has that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a, pretty sure Ephesians says, "Do not be drunk with wine." Right. 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 So that kind of, a, you know, absolutely. So yeah, you're talking about a leadership that that shows vulnerability. Yeah. You know, sure. where did you get that that you know, who is the example to you of that? Honestly, I think it was Peter. Because mm -hmm. when I came here to the youth group for the college, and at the time it was the high school and college. Yep. But I came here, and the first night I was there, he was just like, I struggle with pornography. Yeah. And I was just like blown away. Because in my life, when I went to church, my past churches, I would get this like, oh, like, I don't want to go to church because you know i have to put on this fake smile and pretend like i'm not dealing with anything that everything in my life is perfect and then i get here and peter starts talking about that and i'm just like wow that's that's awesome i, I want to like continue going here because i get him and he gets me yeah um so some people in the christian recovery movement struggle with the term recovery i don't know if you know mm. that but they and and just in the church in general, because they go, oh, str when you say struggle, you, what you really mean is concede. You yes. you buy into it. You know, you don't struggle. Struggle is to resist. Yeah. You know, you're resisting against the struggle. But to me, it's a moot point. To mm -hmm. me, it you know, um, it, it does. You know, it's all se se uh, semantics at that part. Because. Um, yeah. You know what someone's trying to get at when they're when they're upset that we use the term struggle mm -hmm. is what they're what they're saying is that this kind of idea that you know well if you're struggling um, uh, and you're and you're really conceding that means you're not really you know you're not really repented oh yeah yeah you know I get that you know does that make sense it makes sense yeah yeah so and because if you repent then you would never go back to it. Right. So then you would struggle because you really wouldn't go back to it. You'd just be struggling with maybe the idea of going back to it. Yeah. You know, which to me is ludicrous. Right. M meaning, meaning to define repentance as never going back to something ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's uh, quite a statement. Yes. Um, and that would mean we all are very bad at repentance. Right. Because we would never need to pray uh about something twice yeah right i yeah. repent lord yeah and then that would be done yeah i mean like you look at judges in the bible there's that cycle of apostasy yeah where like they would the israelites would you know um uh worship other gods and then they'd get themselves in trouble they call out to god to save them god would save them they praise god 
and then a couple months later or whatever the time period they go back <laughs> yeah, to it didn't seem like that long yeah. yeah and it's like there's no way in the bible it shows us that there i mean like repentance is hard <laughs> like it's not something that is just gonna disappear just like that i mean it can yeah. in some situations god can totally like save you absolutely you there is beautiful deliverance yeah. stories it's awesome you know i think of me and drugs yeah right and i think of wow dude that's awesome yeah you know where it just kind of snapped yeah you know some things are like that yeah other things aren't right exactly you like know? pride i feel like pride is just one of those sins that people just can't just like completely repent of right. <laughs> you know it's so hard yeah. or like selfishness envy strife yeah. you know greed yeah you know lust mm -hmm. is all a part of that right yeah um you know and the reason why the bible says do not love the world or the things in the world for the things that are in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life these things are not from god but of the world see the reason why it says that is not that you're not going to do it right it's that again the bible's written from perspective or from a perfect perspective yeah so it's saying you know the way god god doesn't lust the world he doesn't, God doesn't do these things. And so God's spirit is in us and he's moving us to him. Yeah. So this is going to be our end. We are going to reach there one point. Yeah. You know, we're going to get there, but this is where we're going. Right. You know, so some people look at that and they go, oh yeah, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes of pride of life. I don't have none of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't do it. You know, I repented of lust of the flesh. Yeah. I repented of lust of the eyes, you know, pride of life done, repented. You just know, saying and, that though. Yeah. And you're just like, <laughs> and again, you say that and then you've produced another, another sin, right? Yeah. 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 So and the gospel is beautiful because it deals with man's self-righteousness because it tells mm -hmm. him the cross says nothing you can do. None yeah. of, none of your righteousness as it says in Titus three, none of your righteousness can get you in. Yeah. None of your righteous good works, it says. Mm -hmm. And then it also deals with the depression of man because we are depraved and we know we are depraved and that mm -hmm. it lifts us up. And the cross says to us, God loves us and he's got a direction for us. Yeah. So it does both of those things, yeah. you know, in us. It takes us down off of our pedestal and it also brings us up from our despair. Yeah. Only the gospel can do that. Right. No other religion you're going to find can deal with man's pride and man's depravity yeah for you sure know? yeah totally so good having you in the studio yeah. with us it's, it's fun it's awesome <laughs> i know i could talk to you forever <laughs> but right. keep doing what you're doing with those girls because yeah. it's vital yeah you know it is. and our hope um you know is to see you doing more stuff even with running light and, and being a part of uh, what we got going on and everything like that so yeah, i'm excited for it yeah so thanks a lot yeah thanks for having me check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series take flight and love or lust you can also send us questions on twitter at running light or on our runninglight.org podcast page like us on facebook at running light ministries Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.